What's up, guys? This is Miles Markowitz. And this is Brad Thomas. Here to give you the best sports insights to beat your book. You only need to ask one question. What's the spread? Welcome in. What is the spread? The boys are back. One week hiatus. Uh, the COVID bug got me, but here I uh, am. I survived. He is back again. <laughs> Who would have thought that uh, a trip to Miami could have possibly uh, exposed me to the coronavirus? But Wait, you say, who would have thought that a trip to Miami where we didn't do any debauchery well, exposed no. you to the coronavirus? Like, that was, we were pretty tame. Yeah, and after the game, you and I were up until five in the morning playing craps. And yeah. I was hugging you every time. Something good happened because because it was hot. I, yeah, I, I don't know how you came away fine, but 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 I'm glad you did. But <laughs> I literally was thinking, I was like, I went and retraced all my steps. I go, me and Miles must have hugged like thirty or forty times. I mean, it was an emotional <laughs> night. Congratulations, right, Alabama? Yes. You know, a dominating performance. I you know I, I, I was going through a lot of emotions. I, I was very sad, but I was very happy for you. Uh, very emotional game for you as well. We were hugging a lot. As yeah. I said, we were you you snuck in some white claws into the casino out of nowhere, <laughs> and, which was great because they stopped serving after two a.m. So we were just sitting there at the craft machine, just drinking our warm white claws that you snuck in for like another three hours. And then, not to mention that I, I you know, I was on the trip with my parents as well. Um, thankfully, they were healthy too. So I don't know, man. I mean, honestly, I just got the bad end of the deal, but healthy. Good to go. Uh, I, I want to talk about this national championship. Game. Yes, let's talk do that. about uh, championship Sunday. We are nearing the end of our football season, which is weird because, in a way, I feel like it never even started. Um, but we did get a conclusion. Uh, Alabama, a, a deserving win and a dominant performance over Ohio State. What are your initial thoughts on on the big win? So. You know, as an Alabama fan, I get nervous for every game, but this was probably one of the national championships where I was the least nervous. Um, the, the program that Saban put together and the team that Saban put together this season is remarkable. But what someone said that really has resonated this season more than others is Saban does a good job of convincing those borderline third and fourth round talent to come back and try to raise your draft stock, try to win a national championship. And you think about running back Najee Harris. You think about Mac Jones. You think about LeBron Ray. You think about all these guys who, you know, came back, who could have went to the draft and been at least third round draft picks, who had such important, Dylan Moses, such important impacts on this football season. That kind of separates them when you have situations like that. In this game, you know, my hat's off to Ohio State. Ohio State came into this game, came into this season, not even knowing if they were going to be able to play football. Every single week, there was some kind of COVID question mark. And Ohio State fans, I know, you know, that just for them getting to this moment, to that moment, to be on the field suited up, they lived up every second. The outcome might not have went their way, but the game was phenomenal for the first few quarters. And I mean, I'm just glad I was able to to witness it. Glad I was able to share that moment with you because this Alabama team might be one of the greatest Alabama teams we've put together. 
Yeah, a, a couple points to uh, to go on there. It, you know, it comes back to that magic word of of program, and each each program and how they're built is different. And as you said, and, and I feel like that that's a part that a lot of people probably don't talk about is Alabama's ability to retain talent and yeah. to keep guys there. And the, there's plenty to you know have them motivated for. You know, come back and not only raise your draft stock but enjoy another season of college and play for a national championship. Because when you're a program like Alabama, you're competing for a national championship every single year. And that ability to bring back those guys who are borderline third, fourth round picks and maybe give them a chance to raise their stock, you know, can sometimes make all the difference. What it does is it creates a team like this that we saw in 2020, where I feel like a part of, uh, partly we were robbed of possibly the greatest college football team of all time. I mean, if, if we see this Bama in a full season, which is funny because we just said that about that 2019 LSU team. Yeah. Still may be. But when you think about what Alabama was able to do in this season and in that game against Ohio State, such a dominant performance, I mean, this offense, Brad, was in that game specifically, may have been the best college football offense I've ever seen. I mean, Ohio State's defense had no answer. But what was even more confusing for me is that our our schemes were not lining up for me. I mean, we had, maybe we were just trying anything we could, but we had linebackers lined up on the outside with Devontae Smith. It's it's almost like we just didn't have the guys to cover all these weapons, you know? Yeah. We had a lot of catches. We couldn't stop Najee out of the backfield. Um, Matt Jones could do no wrong. I mean, it was a point where I just felt if we don't score a touchdown every drive, we won't have a chance to win this game. And all of a sudden, in the second quarter, the game you know, gets away from us in the blink of an eye. And we're down yeah. 35-17 at the half. I mean, the uh, – you know, my – I didn't give up at halftime, but I knew it was over because I knew that there's no way we can stop them. And in this situation, we're down 35-17. We need at least three stops to yes. get back in the game. And we just didn't see it. You know, at – as an Ohio State fan, for me, and as you said, hats off to this team. It's probably the most resilient Ohio State team. It, no, it is the most resilient Ohio State team I've ever seen uh, because of what they had to deal with every single week. And to get to that point, there was a lot to be proud of. But honestly, it was kind of part of the problem is that it's almost like we just ran out of juice. And I mentioned this to you know on the podcast and to a lot of people that you know my mentality as an Ohio State fan is – Winning that game against Clemson felt like the national championship. I mean, it did. I mean, Brad, you were with me that night. Yeah, I mean, I was, I, with you. I was that game for me. The emotions I put into that game—that was a national championship game. It yeah. meant everything, and, and and I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. Like it, like I'm just gonna have to wipe this Alabama game from my memory. <laughs> nobody else will, <laughs> and nobody will let Ohio State forget it. And that's fine. That's completely earned. But what people don't understand is that. We felt like we won the national championship. That win against Clemson goes a long way for our program for the next 10 years. I mean, it was a huge win. And then you got Bamba over here on the other side. Brad, big win for their program too. They haven't yes. won a national championship in three years. So that was it, it kept up the legacy of every single recruiting class Nick Saban has had at Bama has won a national championship. Yeah, there you go. And people forget that you know, and I talked a little bit about this leading up to the game, but people forget that Bama hadn't won a national championship since 2018. Um, yeah. So, you know, they, they, they had a lot to prove as well. Uh, 
you know, having lost to Clemson and then, you know, having lost to LSU in the regular season, LSU takes the national championship. You know, that was two years. In one year, Bama wasn't even in the playoff. So this was just as big of a program-defining run for Alabama, you know, as it was for Ohio State beating Clemson. And I think that there's a lot to take away from this uh, from this season. There's a lot to take away from this particular playoff. Um, you know, looking ahead to next season, we have the same, you know, names at the top. But, man, it's just – just to go off those points, right? I mean – yeah, big big for Ohio State just to get there. Um, even bigger for Alabama to pull off what they did this year because they were unmatched. I mean, could you think of? I mean, Florida gave them the best game, hands down. But and then, and then in Florida's game, at no point did I think that Florida was going to win the game. Yes. That's what was wild, right? And that was also wild to me too. Is that I remember watching that game, and, and, and as exciting as it was, and this is a, this is another thing, is that I gotta stop hearing this from Gator fans. I, I, I am so over this. Is that now they want to claim that they were the second best team in the country because they gave Alabama quote unquote their best game of the year? It's like, but let's let's put the brakes on for a second. All right. At no point did I ever think Florida had a chance to win that game. At none. That wasn't a single second, which was wild because they, you know I've heard Gator fans talk about that game like they went to war with Bama and they were toe to toe with 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 Goliath, and I, I don't see that. What's I saw this. Is it uh, not to cut you off, but but they think that that you know losing to Bama by you know eight points or whatever the hell it was or six points is was a program defining game for them. It's like guys, you lost. I mean, yeah. it's you know the, college football is being these behemoths, and you can be proud of the way that you played in that game, and that's fine. But I'll come back to the point that I had last year when Ohio State lost to Clemson, saying we can't call Ohio State elite if they're not winning these games against elite programs. And that's why our yeah. win against Clemson was so big because now we have that to rest on is that we not only beat Clemson, we destroyed them. So yeah. we proved that look at everything that Ohio state had to go through and all the bullshit that the big 10 conference put Ohio state through. I mean, against all odds, we had a season, we proved that we belonged and then we just, you know, we're up against a really good Alabama team in the national championship. And it showed, we just didn't have the horses. We, we ran out of steam in our momentum, but um, that Clemson win is going to uh, be big for us as you know, especially for the next couple of years. And I'm really curious to see, you know, the trajectory of Alabama going into next year. And let's talk about next year for a little bit, just to get some first thoughts, because one of the biggest things uh, that I've, I've actually been meaning to talk to you about this is one of the biggest things I notice is that there are no elite quarterbacks next year. No. There is no, no elite Lee. quarterbacks. There is no Justin Fields. Um, there, we, we don't have that this year. Um, I think, the, like, to me, the closest thing that we have, uh, talent-wise, is Bryce Young for Alabama. I think he's going to be yeah. the I, I, I think he's the next up. Um, proving quarterbacks, right? You could point to Sam Howell. He's, he's getting a lot of hype. But, man, Brad, this, this thing is wide open. I was looking at um, early sleepers, and I'm like, who who could I put money on um, to win the Heisman as an early sleeper? Like, it's so wide open. I might pick the dude out of Texas, the, the freshman, um, who's going to be a sophomore next year, the quarterback, because you have, I have no idea who it's going to be. I don't think I can honestly think of one player. Yeah, and I'm very excited for next year for a lot of different reasons, and 
Uh, let me just preface this by saying, e- even if Ohio State found a way to beat Alabama in that game, I would feel the same exact way for a lot of different reasons. There, there is a part of me that feels like I never got a college football season because a college football season to me is packed stadiums and yes. tradition and pageantry and family and tailgating, tailgating. Oh and my gosh. That is college football to me. You know, obviously I'm happy with what we got. You know, I it was looking like Ohio State was never even going to play. So I I feel blessed that, you know, what happened happened and we got that game, you know, we got that chance against Clemson and Alabama. That's all I ever wanted. Alabama, yeah. you know, doesn't it, it doesn't take anything away from their national championship because they were clearly the best team in the country, but I feel like I didn't get a real college football season. And Yeah. What I want to do is I want to look forward to next season and let's hope that we can get fans back in the stadiums and we can put all this behind us. But what I'm really excited for is, number one, to start breaking all these things down. Let's look at big games. Let's look at early conference previews. Let's look at rankings and coaches. But I really think this thing is wide open. Now, you've still got the, the teams at the top that we always talk about. You've still got the Bama and you've still got Ohio State. And you got Georgia back in the mix and Oklahoma, um, Clemson. But what's so funny is that for me, I've actually seen a lot of early predictions where, uh, you know, experts are already counting Clemson out. This is really interesting. I mean, yeah. there, there are no certainties. And, you know, Georgia is a really popular pick, but that has a lot to do with how JT Daniels is going to play. Yes. Um, because if JT Daniels is, is, you know, takes them to that next level, then yeah, they could be a favorite. But if he doesn't, it's just another Georgia team. That's yeah. the point. So now let's start looking at who could be a sleeper. Who could sneak up and actually compete in the playoff this year? How about Cincinnati? Cincinnati, Brad, has put themselves in a position where if they go undefeated next year, I think that they will be in the college football playoff. I think that they have done enough over the years to put themselves in a position to get some quality wins. They play Notre Dame. You know, as we've seen, the committee loves Notre Dame. If you beat Notre Dame, it's a big deal. Um, they they have put themselves in a position where they could be a preseason top 10. Yeah. I mean, it's it's insane to me. And, and I never had Cincinnati in my top 10. I may not have them in my top 10 to start the year. But what I'm saying is, is that this goes back to our group of five conversation where it takes years to put yourself in position to compete for a national championship if you're a group of five program. But if you get the opportunity... You can't let it go to waste. We saw Houston squander that opportunity a couple years ago. Um, UCF never really got that opportunity because their schedule wasn't strong enough. But, yeah. you know, I I just feel like this thing is so wide open next year. And it's exciting. I'm excited. Um, I, I, I just don't think that, you know, Cincinnati is going to do it. They run the table twice just because how difficult that is. You know, it was – Difficult for them to do it once, but this would be the year where I don't think there's going to be, there's a lot of question marks for every dominant program, like guys with next up quarterbacks, guys who are losing running backs, guys who are losing elite players on defense. Um, But I, I, I do like to think that these top level programs just keep reloading with blue chips and retooling, you know? Yeah, I think it's going to be a year uh, where we can really talk about a lot of different storylines, and I think there's a lot of conference races, or maybe more specifically division races, that are going to be wide open. Um, so, here's to hoping that we get a, a real college football season next year, 
and we can start traveling to some games and really get that, you know, good experience. And man, there's so many good non-conference and conference games to look forward to um, yeah. next year. So hopefully everything kind of lines up. But man, uh, you know, there will be plenty more to say about college football. Uh, we'll do plenty of coverage in the offseason because I don't want to stop talking about it. As I said, my <laughs> hunger for college football usually at this point is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty satisfied and I'm ready to take a break and step away from it all. I don't feel that way at all this year because I feel like, like I said, I feel like it never started. So yeah. I, 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 I got to keep talking about it. We got to keep breaking these things down. I want to look forward to next year. I, I you know, I don't want to stop. Uh, especially, you know, with Ohio State losing to Alabama, you know, let's give you some time to enjoy the win. But uh, <laughs> I guarantee you Nick Saban was back in his office recruiting the next day. Yes, 100% back in his office. Speaking of Nick Saban, I want to say something really quick before yeah. we jump off the topic of Alabama. After last year or during last year, towards the end of the season, everyone was saying the this is the end of the Alabama dynasty. Alabama could be looked at no longer as the – the prominent program in college football. How funny that narrative changes after Saban has a season like he did this year. I just think it's comical almost of how the narrative flip-flops back and forth instead of the narrative just recognizing that this is uh, – Saban is one of the all-time greatest football coaches of all uh, yeah. that we've ever seen. I think it's a, that's a good point that you bring up. And I also think it's a testament – you think about this for a second. It's a testament – to just how difficult it is to consistently have success in college football. Because, yes. because he makes it look so easy, right? Yes, he does. So, it's crazy. So it's like the first year that, that they you know miss the playoff, lose to LSU, it's like, oh, well, the Saban dynasty is over because they lose to Clemson the year before and then they don't make it the next year. But if anything, I think it proves that he – like even more that he is the greatest coach of all time because he, because he, he's showing you how difficult it is to win this thing every year, it's not easy. They may make it look easy, but yes. you know, and, and and people get so frustrated, right? There's so much fatigue. Um, Brett, the national championship was the lowest-rated national championship in the history of college football because I think that there is a fatigue with Ohio State and Alabama and Clemson right now. And but what people don't understand is, is that these programs deserve to be where they want to be, and if you if you want to stop seeing these teams in these beat games, them. you got to beat them. Got to beat them. And, and go ahead. It's like the, uh, the, the, the common theme, the common funny thing on Twitter is uh, them calling the college football playoff an invitational. But honestly, like which team do you think in, in college football had a chance to beat Alabama? You right. know what I mean? Like it's not an invitational. It's an invitational because yeah, do something. Win games. The only team that has a, a, a hard argument is Cincinnati. They're the only team. Every other fan base don't call it invitational. You lost. Right. And, you know, to me, I think that this year, you know, I, I disagreed with letting Notre Dame in the playoff. I thought it was a travesty. I thought it was a horrible decision. But it's very rare that I ever feel that way about any of the teams that the, that the committee selects. I think every year they get it right. They pick the four best teams. This year, to yeah. your point... I think Cincinnati had the best argument because Texas A&M had their shot against Bama. Florida had their shot. These teams had their shot. There was nobody else besides Cincinnati that I feel like earned that fourth spot. I, I yeah, really feel agreed. like, you know, this was the year it should have gone to Cincy. Um, I really do believe that because of how poorly Notre Dame played in that ACC championship game. Now, moving forward, 
everyone needs to understand, guys, this thing is going to eight teams. I don't know when it's going to be. It could take years to get to that point, or they may wait for the current contract to expire. But we have got to stop complaining about the best programs in the country getting into the playoff. That's exactly what it's supposed to be. Yes. It's like we can't just hand out, you know, invitations to these games. Like they, they've got to go to the top programs in the country. But once we go to eight, and we will, we're still going to get the same two teams in the, in the playoff every year. You're still going yeah. to get Alabama and Ohio State playing for the national championship. Every 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 yeah. year. But what I will say, and one of the reasons why I'm coming around to the idea of this expansion, even though I believe that, I see the merit in giving exposure to four more teams and giving them a platform for recruiting. Because when it comes down to it, the best college football players in, in, in the country, or uh, sorry, the uh, best high school players in the country, they want to compete for national championships. They want to be yes. in the playoff. So hypothetically, and, I, and I'm looking long-term here, 15, 20 years down the road, if you expand to eight teams, I do think it opens things up a little bit. And I do think it starts to open up recruiting a little bit. Bama, programs like Bama and Clemson, Ohio State, are still going to come away with top five classes every year. But I just think it gives these other programs an opportunity to put themselves in that eight-team race, showcase their program, showcase their stadium and their talents, if if that's how they decide to do it. Um, and maybe d- down the road start to get some of those blue-chip recruits that they may not have gotten before. But I don't know. Yes. What, are your, what are your thoughts on that? No, I agree. I'm going I'm to make a, uh, an Alabama basketball analogy. Alabama basketball, we know, was never a powerhouse. Never, never will be, I don't think. But since you get that natural spotlight and you know you can compete, compete for a championship. Alabama has a five-star freshman. They had five-star Colin Sexton. Now let's replace football. Let's play basketball with football. Let's say we get a, a, a football, a, 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 bas- a football team that is a Cincinnati, um, a Coastal Carolina. When we have players that know that they can compete at the highest level, know that they can compete for a championship, the, 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 the six five stars that are going to Alabama or Clemson or, or Notre Dame, two or three of those are going to start going to the Coastals. Yes. They start going to the to, to the uh, the Cincinnati's because they know that they, they will have the stage for them to play. They know that they will have the opportunity for them to be on the bright lights, and they know that they can compete for a national championship should their team be successful. Yes. Beautifully said. And I think that, that that is why I'm starting to come around to this idea because I really do think it's just it, – it's really good for the game of college football. And I was telling you this before the playoff this year is that these New Year's Six games are horrible. I mean, they are horrible. We got – Oh, my God. Because they are exhibition games where we got guys with – who have never played having to step up for guys who are opting out of the game. And, and that's great for them because it gives them an opportunity to showcase their talents – but these games, Brad, are not supposed to be exhibition games. It's so bad to watch. They're supposed to be the you know top level and top teams, but we're not getting that. We're only getting that in the playoff now. The yeah. postseason in college football has become completely irrelevant, where it is only the playoff. So I'm really starting to come around to this idea of let's get it to eight, let's open it up a little bit, and let's start to see uh, these teams, as you said, compete for a national championship. I love that you brought up the Alabama basketball analogy because Ohio State basketball is the same way. We have Alabama and Ohio State basketball both as perennial top 20 teams right now in the nation. 
And as you said, they're not powerhouses, but we both of us are enjoying really good college basketball seasons because you have that chance to compete at the highest level no matter where you go. It, yeah. You don't have to look, look at Duke, North Carolina, and Kentucky. They're unranked for the first yeah. time like since the 60s because recruits are going to places where they want to play because they know that they they're going to have that chance. Look at how popular these conference tournaments have gotten, right? Like yes. you all these opportunities. Uh all, how about all these preseason tournaments in college basketball where all these uh all these preseason tournaments are getting put together and they're getting the spotlight and these guys know that they're going to have that opportunity to compete no matter where they go. It's why yeah. you have programs like Baylor in Iowa and these programs that are in the top 10 that never would have gotten a chance to do so um, without those opportunities. So I think that we need to start looking at college football in that way. And I think yeah. it only makes the game better, really. It does. Um, when, you know, there's more parity in in sports, it makes that sport better because um, every game is a big game. Yeah. So we'll uh, talk more about that in the off season. Uh, as I said, can't stop, won't stop. Let's, uh, let's start getting excited for August uh, right now. Um, but we do have some NFL action to cover here. Yes. We're down to the final four. Before we do that, I believe you have a little bit of an announcement. Yes, I have some good news. Uh, first and foremost, I want to thank Feedspot. If you guys didn't know, Feedspot, the blog posting company, has rated us, they nominated us, nominated us in their top 60 sports betting podcasts to look out for in 2021. Guess what, guys? We weren't even number 60. We were number 43 on the list. <laughs> um, I, I, I owe the honor to my fantastic co-host, our lovely friends and family who support us through this dream, and all of you lovely listeners who listen to us do what we love, and that's chat about sports, sports betting, college football, football, NFL, everything that we talk about on this podcast is our our avenue to vocalize, get things off our chest, or even just shoot the shit with our mates, you know, like... I'm super excited for this. So if you guys didn't know what I just said, because it was a lot and it was a mouthful, we were nominated as top 60 sports betting podcast to look out for by Feedspot. Yeah, very cool. Uh, very cool to see our podcast pop up on a list like that. Uh, a testament to, you know, 134 episodes that you yes. and I have worked on and sat here and talked about sports. And, you know, this thing is all about building a, you know, uh, you know, niche and uh, dedicated fan base who just want to hear us talk about these things and who want to get involved in these conversations. And it's, it's, yes. it's, it's exciting to see that. And we have plans for 2021. We want to get more video content to you. We want to get more daily videos out to you. Um, start seeing our beautiful faces on social media more than just once a week. Um, yeah. Big plans ahead in the future. Um, and, you know, honestly, like for us, you know, college football is our bread and butter. Uh, we yes. also love talking about the NFL, but a lot of different ways that we could go from here. Um, but yeah, a podcast to watch in 2021. Yeah, it is going to be a podcast to watch in 2021 because we're always here and we always have a lot of cool things to talk about. Absolutely. I totally agree. 100%. All right, my friend, I'm going to let you, uh, go ahead and announce the NFC <sighs> championship because I know you are excited. 
the NFC Championship. We have the Tampa Bay, yes, my Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveling to Lambeau to take on Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. The Packers are a three and a half point favorite revenge game for Aaron Rodgers when Tampa Bay destroyed the Packers. Every way you look at this game, you can make an argument for either team. For me, I'm going to back the GOAT and my team, Thomas Brady. I will take the three and a half points. I would be disappointed if you didn't. You got to go with your team. You, you got to go with your boys. So I I respect the pick. I, I'm going with the favor here. I'm going with Green Bay minus three and a half. And before I let you defend your Tampa Bay Buccaneers and uh, the greatest quarterback of all time, uh, let me go ahead and talk about what I'm looking at here. All right. So you mentioned uh, a revenge game for Rodgers and the Packers. Uh, I don't think that that'll really be at the top of mind, but I do want to talk about that game because I feel like it's going to go uh, a lot into what happens on Sunday. Tampa Bay won that first meeting at home in Tampa Bay, 38 to 10. Aaron Rodgers was turning the ball over like no tomorrow. Uh, two early interceptions really cost him. They were completely out of the game after that. And what's, what's funny is going back and watching some film from that game, uh, Devontae Adams was the targeted receiver on those two interceptions that essentially cost him the game. Tampa Bay did a great job of blanketing, in my opinion, this year, the greatest receiver in the game in Devontae Adams. All right. Turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. That's what I have written down here. Because when Green Bay does not turn the ball over this year, they are a perfect 11-0 when they do not commit a turnover. And I think that, that their game plan is going to have to reflect that. Now, what's good for Aaron Rodgers is that he, he's been great. But he hasn't had to, had to carry this team all by himself because their running game, 188 yards on the ground against LA last week. I mean, their running game has been there, and they have a running back by committee with three different guys who could come in here with fresh legs and move the ball on the ground. But with Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, I just feel like this connection and this combination has just been so unstoppable, and I think it continues here um, on Sunday. And also, interesting to note, first time that Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady have ever met in the playoffs. To me, like, like the kid in me is just like, what is going on right now? I, I mean, <laughs> to see Brady in the NFC Championship instead of the AFC Championship and to see him with Tampa Bay, this, to me, it's finally hitting me that Brady is not with New England because it's like, this is the big time. This is Brady yeah. in Tampa Bay in the NFC Championship going up against Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau Field uh, in Green Bay. Really exciting. So what are you seeing on the other side there? So one good thing about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, and, and I'm going to say this, I've heard people say Tom Brady's always been the beneficiary of a great defense or every kind of excuse for why Tom Brady's good. Um, but what a lot of people forget is teams play up for legends. When you get a legend on your team, they play up. Like look at when Peyton Manning won his last Super Bowl. That Broncos defense was really good. And then look what happened to that team after he left. Um, this Tampa Bay Buccaneers number one rush defense in the NFL, um, only allowing 82 rush yards per game. I think that the way that their rush defense plays, it allows them to uh, the liberties of doing blanketed coverages on guys like Michael Thomas, who what had zero catches, guys like Devonta Adams, who, who struggle against us. It allows us to kind of be a little more flexible. And then with this Tampa Bay offense, the weapons are, are, are insurmountable, where if we need to be in a shootout, I think that we, we are successful enough. Big for Tampa Bay, huge for Tampa Bay. Vita Vea has been elevated from the IR and has been practicing this week. If we get him to plug the gap 
that just makes our run defense that much more dynamic. That way we can line up in a uh, in a 4-3 with him at the nose. just changes the game. And I also think that Tom Brady, people might have said Tom Brady didn't do anything. He was efficient last game. He does what needs to be done to always keep his team in the game. You notice when we played against the Saints, he didn't do anything wild. Yeah. But he kept us in the game the entire time because he knew that at one pivotal moment, it was going to be his arm versus Drew Brees' arm. And right. it was. And then Drew Brees' arm failed him and threw that game-clinching pick. He did. Yeah. I mean, Tom Brady, you know, it's one of the reasons why he's been so good in his career is that he can just read the flow of the game and, and understand what he has to do to get the W. And, um, yeah. Good luck, man. Uh, I think that uh, from a betting standpoint, though, like uh, looking at the trends, both teams are amazing against the spread. Both teams are on great winning streaks. It's a coin flip. But I'm going for my team, and and I've already pre-ordered – I've already put my name on the pre-order list for for Super Bowl tickets. So – It's in Tampa, isn't it? Yes, regardless of if Tampa goes or not, I'm going to try to buy these tickets – and I will be selling the majority of the tickets to try to go to this game for free. There you go. I, I, I will say this too about the four teams that we have playing this weekend. I feel like, um, especially recently, there's usually been one of the four teams that uh, it, it was an upset or we feel like is not matched up well or they just went on a really good run. But yeah. right here, I mean, this is fresh. This is four teams. I mean, first of all, you got Brady Rodgers. And then on the other side, let's just, let's just go right into it. On the other side, you got two of the young guns in Josh yeah. Allen for the Bills and uh, Mahomes for the Chiefs, one versus two. Chiefs are three-point favorites here at Arrowhead. Now, something to keep in mind to monitor, uh, we all know Mahomes you know, exited the game with a concussion last weekend. He's questionable. We don't know where that's going. Um, I don't know your thoughts on that. I, I mean, I'm sure he's going to play. If he doesn't, that's going to be a huge bummer. I, I mean, honestly, it's going to be a huge loss. Like a, a huge loss. Uh, yeah. I mean, if, 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 if Mahomes doesn't go, it's an automatic win for the bills. All right. Yes. So I'll go ahead and start with my pick and then I'll go ahead and uh, we'll hear yours. The chiefs are minus three. We said earlier on in the year, if you ever got a chief's line like this, you take the chiefs minus three. Uh, I, I believe we said seven or less. But I'm having a change of heart here. And if I ever told you earlier in the season that I was going to ride with Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills plus three in the AFC Championship at Kansas City, I would have told you that I was crazy. But I am feeling the momentum of the Buffalo Bills right now. Last week's game aside, where they scored a, uh, a season low in points, that game was not a reflection on the Buffalo Bills offense. It was a reflection on the game plan and what it took to win the game. This game is going to be a shootout. And in this game, you're going to have to put up points. And I think both defenses are going to let it happen and let it fly. And I think that not only can the Bills cover this game at plus three, I think that they can win. And with Mahomes being so questionable with his status and how healthy he's going to be, I'm liking the momentum of the Bills here. And I like a Bills-Packers Super Bowl. How are you feeling? I'm going with the Chiefs. Um, chalky as you want to call it. One thing that... Uh happened for the Chiefs that was probably the best thing that could have happened was that interception and then the Chiefs holding on to win that was momentum them knowing that they can hold a team to win a game is huge for them 
I understand the Bills are having an amazing season. The Bills are playing lights out. Everything we want to say great about the Bills is happening, has happened. But you're going to give me Andy Reid versus Brian Dabble. And we have offensive mastermind versus an up-and-coming offensive mastermind. Give me the home team. Three points, not a too big of a mountain to climb. The thing for Mahomes is they're saying that it was he got choked out or pinched nerve or something. I like that. I like that. I, I, I like this. I like the narrative. Keep keep the confusion going. But I don't think Mahomes would have been practicing all week if there would have been as many question marks. Wednesday was the only day that he didn't take all the first team reps. And that kind of shows me that, you know, they know Mahomes is playing. And I, I, I don't like betting against Mahomes. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Bills win. I mean, this is the Bills team that in their last seven games against the AFC is 6-1 and one against the spread. Last four as an underdog, they, they, they've covered and won. Like, everything that you want to say about the Bills is great. Every trend. But for me, I have to stick with what I'm going to do. And I, and I said that um, to someone last week. They were like, are you going to take the Chiefs plus nine and a half? And I said, are you minus nine and a half? I said, absolutely not. And I'm doing the exact same thing this game like I did last game. I'm not going to bet the game pregame. I'm going to sit back. Wait for my spot. You'll be able to tell in this game, by the second quarter, the flow of the game. If I can grab Chiefs at close to a pick'em, I'll grab them. If not, I'll just be watching as a fan. Yeah, and the, the line movement on this game is really interesting because the Chiefs open as a five-point favorite. So the, the, the betting public uh, really went on the bills early. Um, yep. So, you know, they, they are definitely uh, – definitely have some hype around them right now. But uh, I'll tell you, the the Bills, I, I just feel like a much more formidable opponent for the Chiefs than the Titans were last year. Um, and, I, and I feel like that, that the three is a pretty good line. Um, very rare to see the Chiefs at home be only a three-point favorite. So I'm yes. very curious to see how this shakes out. Um, and yeah, I you know, as far as who gets to the Super Bowl, as I said, you know, any of these four teams, any combination of these four teams is going to be a deserving Super Bowl. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Hey, this is one of the best Final Fours that we've had in ages, man. I'm trying to think, like, years. It's wild. Well, I look forward to it. That is on Sunday, Championship Sunday. We get uh, only three football games left in this season um, here. Uh, I guess we're kicking off 2021, but uh, we'll be looking to uh, roll right into next football season. Uh, as yes. I said, a lot to come, uh, a lot of good plans for mostly college football content in the off season. We have a lot to talk about. Um, I look forward to it, man. And congrats, uh, to, to you, uh, thank you, and thank to you. myself on the top, uh, you know, getting in the podcast to look at yes. in 2021. Congrats to you on your Alabama national championship. And thank you. Really hope. That we get Alabama, Ohio State right back in it. <laughs> I don't care that I nobody think, wants to see I it. I think football fans will be done. They're saying, we're <laughs> done with this. <laughs> Let's get Bama, Ohio State in there once again because uh, I need a rematch. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man. Good time. All right, man. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to What's the Spread. Please be sure to download our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or however else you get your podcasts.